Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we discuss Soup by John Gordon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. Hey guys, this is the co-host, the voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me as always are my graduated with great accolades from college friends, Paul <laughs> Sosinski and Jeremy Machino. Guys, how we doing? Nick, we're good. It's, uh, it's getting to that point where we're just getting back into the work grind, you know, just rejoining the workforce, getting, uh, getting used to what working is like again. It's been pretty up-tempo. It's been pretty exciting. You know, it's, it's good to actually put in some hard work and, and see the benefit of your hard work pay off. I will say, Jeremy, I'm chomping at the bit to get back to that. Obviously, I'm going to be the last one here to get back to work full time. But um, Nick, I'm glad you actually brought up like graduated and educated because I want to give a special shout out to a really good friend of ours and a former guest on the State Street podcast, uh, Dom Hilsheim, who is a college friend of ours. Like I said, he was a guest on this podcast for getting engaged to his girlfriend, now fiance, Abby. So um, if you guys, Dom and Abby, are listening to this or if you know Dom and Abby, um, congratulations. Make sure you send them their congratulations because they took a huge step in their relationship. And actually, funny enough, Nick, relationships is going to be a big topic for us today. <laughs> I know it was almost perfect. And I think uh, so what we did is we created this episode for them, knowing they were going to get engaged. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> definitely did not know that. But uh, talk about just a, a great, kind hearted couple. Great. Two great people. And yeah, absolutely. Congrats to those guys. They'll uh, they'll do amazing things. But yeah, relationships, man. Uh, the fun uh, topic that has kind of that beautiful gray area. Uh, but what we're going to float to more so is in the professional world and how it relates to uh, the John Gordon book we just read called Soup. Uh, this one was uh, within correlation to some of the others. I think this had a different vantage point. We're, we're more so looking at self at some of those other books. And this is more about leading organizations, uh, but still good stuff nonetheless. So uh, Cole, right off the cusp, what was something that you enjoyed about this book? Just kind of overall as you read it. Well, I think my, my, one of my favorite things, and it was kind of one of my first big takeaways, especially early on reading this book, was talking about building genuine relationships. It was very apparent from the beginning of the book, obviously the, the, the title of the book being Soup, um, that, okay, so how is Soup going to play into this? Well, funny enough, you know, our main character is this businesswoman and she goes to this soup house uh, for lunch one day with like a coworker of hers and she gets to meet the cook who is uh, a grandmother, right? It's, it's literally, it's like a family business. Her grandson's work in the front and he's got this great business degree and he's very business savvy and he's a super just like good young studly guy uh and obviously this woman who just took over as ceo of her company um which funny enough is also a soup company kind of a, a bigger more like campbell soup type of a company and they're really struggling as far as just like internally and and with relationships in the professional setting setting and at work and um getting people to be on the same page and that's one of uh, her first challenges. Um, but I think it, it, so when she does get to meet grandma at this, this soup, um, restaurant, it's very apparent right away that grandma is very good at building genuine relationships with every single person that comes into her restaurant and, and obviously eats her soup. 
Yeah, and I want to note this as well. So grandma is does not have the accolades of some of these other individuals. It's noted that her grandson graduated from a, a high prestige college business school. Uh, and this gal as well, too, very good family life coming from a good background. And, and grandma's just a good old fashioned uh, individual. I mean, you can tell right away she, her, her ability to build rapport with people is almost immediate as she's able to go out and, and she just kind of breaks the personal boundaries down when she hugs her right away. And I think she was a little taken by that. Um, I know we all kind of know people that fall under that category, but uh, just good grandma love nonetheless. But um, she runs into her, I don't know if I'd say coincidentally, but it's kind of funny how her being in a desperate spot in the business, how she runs into this grandma figure who knows uh, doesn't have the official title, so to speak, but she knows everything about how to build genuine relationships like you're saying. Right. Well, and the focus of the book is a recipe to create a culture of greatness. And so I think that obviously if you knew nothing about this book, you'd be like, okay, what, like it, this has to be super in depth and there's got to be a bunch of steps and, and ways and techniques. But, um, I, like, I mean, kind of, like I said, that was kind of my first takeaway and, and obviously Nick, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, but that was my first takeaway when I got into this book is like, Building that culture and, and that recipe for greatness starts with genuine relationships and, and being genuinely interested in getting to know and, and establishing rapport with, with a lot of people. Yeah. One of my, my big takeaways right away with this book was the difference between superficial and genuine relationships. I think mm. as she noted uh, right away, she's like, oh, you know, some of the CEOs prior to me came and they made all these promises and, you know, the, the folks internally working for them never really saw these come through to fruition and damaged the trust a lot. And, you know, this was an organization that was, um, I'm trying to think of the term, you know, when there's a CEO that comes in and goes out right away. Um, Anyway, not really important, but um, high so turnover. A, yeah, yeah, high turnover organization where they kind of bring in folks and they stay for a little bit and then go. But this girl uh, and the way she was brought up, she's not backing down from a challenge. I mean, she's nervous for sure and doesn't know what the heck to do, but just coincidentally runs into grandma and grandma just shows her the good old fashioned way to actually give a crap about people and be genuinely interested in them. And you can tell that, and they note this in the book, that there is a line out the door of their soup building every single day, every day. So you can tell right there that she knows what she's doing and, how, and, and just always welcoming people with a warm smile. Yeah, I think uh, one of the lost arts in today's society is building those, um, those in-depth, structurally sound relationships. Where a lot of the time, especially now, we're communicating via email. Um, I know we use Slack, instant messenger, you know, just all of the easiest ways possible to communicate with people we're using now, but it takes away from the the face-to-face -face interaction, the, you know, treating someone how you want to be treated, because it's it's easy to hide behind a computer screen and, and be like, yo, this is how we do things. Um blah, 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 and just, you know, be very bland. But I mean, in a time like this, it's, it's probably just as important to practice your, um, your people skills, your relationship building skills. So when we do come out of, out of pandemic mode that you can like hit the ground running and, and you're not falling behind in, in building relationships when you get back to work. Well, that's a really good point, Jeremy. And obviously like right now, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs because of coronavirus, right? So when we do get back to work and, and whether you go back into your office full time or whether 
you know, your job is someone is a job that can be done remotely and, and you stay remote or maybe you stay 50, 50, like there are going to be companies and there are going to be people, you know, I, I know the, the job that I'm going to have when I go back, there's going to be a lot of new faces because a lot of new, a lot of people have already went on to new jobs and new opportunities. Um, and so you're right. And obviously, like Nick said, when there's high turnover like that, it's really hard to establish genuine and, um, and, and have a really good foundational relationship or friendship, especially with people at work. And so that's what I wanted to ask you guys as we get kind of, as we get into this, why do you guys think it's so hard to build genuine relationships with people in our workplace, as opposed to obviously the three of us have very genuine, um, relationships. We're all three really, really good friends. Like, why do you guys think that's so much harder to do as we get into the professional world? I think a lot of that has to do with, how would I want to word this? Making sure everyone feels valued. And I think that's why the employees, when they had her come in, they were like, oh, okay, here's another CEO. You know, we've, we've heard the drill. We, we know the drill. You're going to make all these promises you don't keep. And uh, I think she makes it, uh, in the later part of the book, she makes it apparent that she values the opinion of her employees and her managers, and she finds a way to try to create unison, which I don't think if you'd ask a lot of people now what they'd say the company mission statement was or, or what, you know, they, they're, not, they're not engaged in what they're, they're doing. And that definitely starts from the top. But I think one of the big things is making sure you feel valued or if you have those relationships within your network, making sure you're, you're giving opportunity for input. That, that's just what I would say right away to that, Cole. Jeremy, what about you? So I'm going to take this in a, in a completely different uh, direction. So can you repeat the question just so we have uh, like a good baseline? Yeah. So why do you think it's so much more difficult to build genuine relationships with people or, or instead of, obviously Nick used the term superficial versus genuine. Why do, why do you think that in our professional world, obviously, which us being young 20-somethings, we're entering, why is it so difficult to build genuine relationships? And why do you think a lot of superficial relationships are built in the professional world when we go to school and we build these genuine relationships with friends at school and, and in sports and personal life, kind of like us three have? I think it's, it's a, lot to do, a lot to do with stigma. And, and we're afraid to step on people's toes, especially those higher up. Whereas like when I literally first started working, I was just, just trying to be, you know, someone that was liked and someone that like, you know, didn't step on others' toes. And it's like, it's just hard to build relationships like that. It's, it's hard to create culture when everyone has the same opinion. Everyone thinks the same way. Everyone has their, or basically everyone is working under the same idea. And once you step out of that and you start creating a little culture, you start creating a little camaraderie, that's when the relationships blossom. And I think that's what we have a, a tough time in our professional lives is because we're just scared to step out and say like, hey, um, maybe this isn't the right way to do it. Maybe, um, maybe we're just scared to ask our coworkers to like, before the pandemic to go have a beer or to like hang out. Like, like we think of work as is a professional like a thing that we go to do, but work is so much more enjoyable when you're with the people you enjoy being around. And if you can create a culture that you like to be in, work is going to be so much more fun. 
Well, I think it's interesting that you bring that up. And I want to clarify just so for our listeners and, and for Nick and I. So when you say step on people's toes, are you saying that in as far as like you don't want to step on their toes and, and think that you're all that in a bag of chips? Like, do you, when you say stepping on people's toes, do you not want to interfere with their work? Like, what do you mean by that exactly? I mean, it's a lot of things like, you know, the way they think. I don't like, you don't want to go against, like, especially if they're higher up, you don't want to go against the way they think. Um, definitely like stepping on their toes in like the professional world, like telling them they're wrong, just a lot of stuff like that. And like the professional life that you just, you're scared to do because there's not really much of a culture there. And, and like you step in and you're kind of scared to be like, I don't know what to do here. Um, and a lot of that can be just be solved with like good company culture, good, uh, good relationships. That's a great, great bit to run on here because that was, there was a, a very small episode in relation to this book where this gal, the CEO, uh, there was a, an up and coming employee that came in to, to share an idea uh, early on and, and she was shut down as if the CEO didn't even really pay any attention to her. Um, <laughs> But that is the whole case in point is what you're saying, Jeremy, is, is when you feel valued and when you have that open trust, then you're able to input your ideas, which makes you feel a part of the group. And uh, I think definitely entering the workforce, I would agree with you, man. You don't want to like step outside of the, the comfort zone or you don't want to like screw up and have someone yell at you. So you're very, very passive on sharing ideas and different things like that. But uh, Cole, I, I want to share, I'm going to ask a question back to you. But first, I wanted to say more so because we're in sales. I think another thing um, that people do not necessarily get engaged with in the sales profession specifically is they know that there's so many sales types and emails and LinkedIn messages and calls that they're almost like automatically going to turn you away. And I think fighting through that and building a really good, reliable network just by presenting yourself and just saying, hey, Joe, like... I don't care if you buy or you know buy today, but I just want to get to know your background a little bit. And I've said that to people, and they've almost been taken back from that because they're so used to people just, "Hey, you want a widget? Here's a widget. You want a widget? Here's a widget." But let's turn that question back over to you as well. What do you think some of the difficulties are with building relationships and, and genuine relationships? Well, I think you guys both hit the nail on the head when, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it a little different. I'm just going to use my mannerism and, and my verbiage, but I think people have to walk on eggshells in the workplace. I think that you go to work every day and it's like, I don't want to piss off this person. I don't want to piss off my boss. I don't want to, you know, because I don't want to piss off my direct boss. I don't want to piss off the president of the company. I don't want to piss off the person that sits to my right, sits to my left. I don't want to, I don't want to piss off the person that I've been emailing back and forth with for the next, for the last couple of days. Uh, and so I think people having to walk on eggshells is, is huge. And especially as young professionals, I mean, I, I vividly remember, I mean, the first week when I walked into my job, it was like, I'm literally, I'm so overwhelmed with new names, new product knowledge, a new environment, obviously a new state, a new region being on the West Coast, a kid from the Midwest. <laughs> it's like, there, there's, it's sensory and knowledge overload that it's like, I'm trying to take it all in while not pissing off the people around me who have been here, who know it. And, and like, I don't want them to think I'm stupid, right? Yeah. Um, but I think another part of that is there's such a fine line between the relationships we have with people that are professional. And there's such a fine line with relationships that we have with people that are personal. And for me, I even struggle with this because I, I feel like at times I'm maybe too shallow in my professional relationships where it's like, I'm not giving people enough of a look into my life and what I like, what I don't like, what kind of things are 
I, I enjoy what kind of things maybe I don't enjoy as much or what I'm curious about, what I'm not curious about. And, uh, I think I struggle with that because it's like, okay, what is too much? Like, am I, am I giving this person enough to know about me where they like me, they enjoy me, they like to be around me? And is it they like to be around me and they enjoy me just at work? Or is it like, they, do they want to get to know me outside of work? And so I think there's such a fine line. And especially with, and I'm going to say it and I hate it, but the cancel culture we live in, it's like you are really riding that fine line, especially when you, you clock in at 830 of, okay, like I got to put my personal stress and my personal life to the side and I got to go on with my life as a professional. And, and so I think trying to blend those two, there is a fine line and it's very, very possible to do. And a lot of people do it and they're very successful with it. And obviously, and well, not obviously, but personally, I think the, the people who are successful in business get very good at that. And so that's something I, I want to get very, very good at. You and me both, especially being in a sales profession, I think is if you disguise yourself as uh, anything but your yourself, I think that they're going to smell that out right away and they're going to know intent and, and what you're trying to do. Uh, I also want to throw this out here as well, just because this is a great meet here. Uh, I also think social media and us being on social media has affected our ability to create genuine relationships because have you guys ever been in line at Starbucks or on a, on a train or uh, in a social environment where you have a little bit of downtime, maybe a doctor's office where you're just kind of sitting there and you know you notice and you look around the room, everyone is scrolling on their phone. Everyone is on their phone. And now I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not. I do that the same as well. But I remember one time I, I just looked over to a lady and I was like, how are you doing today? And like, I think she was so taken by the fact that like, I just asked that to her. She was like, almost kind of came off as a little bit harsh. She's like, I'm fine. But I think she was just like, so like surprised <laughs> that I said anything to her because generally, you know, people are, are on their phones. But uh, I think that also plays a little bit of a role here too. Well, I think you brought up an interesting point right before you said that, um, especially with us being in sales. Like how competitive is sales day in and day out? Like everybody is competing to, for that top spot, right? You're always competing to be number one on the sales board. You're always looking for that new, like that next way to make a new sale or, or get new business or get reoccurring business or like, and, and it's a strategy game. It's like, how can I massage this? That, that, that I like, it works out in the best interest for not only me, but like the organization, obviously we want to have a positive mindset towards making the organization the best it can be. But Obviously, in sales, especially, there's a, like there's a sense of like I gotta I gotta make my sales, I gotta hit my numbers, right? And obviously, I think in analytics, Jeremy could touch on it. Uh, I think there's a lot of industry. I think every industry has competition, and so I think trying to balance. Okay, I'm trying to compete with this person as like professionally. How do I compete with them and keep them at a distance, but also let them become my friend and establish a really good relationship so that. We can enjoy each other when we're at work and, and like we can, like Jeremy said, grab a beer after work or, you know, enjoy the company of, of each other in our own homes, meet each other's families, those sort of a thing. Building relationships in my, my industry and bringing it to the, the outside consumer is, it's hard, for, hard because almost all of my interaction comes through a, an instant message. Or an email where like the client needs to know things quick, 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 quick. So when we're able to meet with our, our clients face to face, it's that's when we really seal the deal for our company. And like I was gonna have the the chance to possibly meet Joe Buck and uh, John Smoltz this summer through uh, them coming to Minnesota through Fox, and those are huge interactions for our company 
with Fox where it's like, you know, we may not get, what, a phone call a day from them. We only get like two hours while they're preparing to go on a, a, um, a baseball broadcast. We got to make sure we show them like we're the best. We bring, we bring the best stats. We bring the best service. We are there for you. We are going to provide you stuff, even if you don't ask for it, because we want to keep your business. And that's really what we do well compared to a lot of our competitors, where we are okay going the extra mile. We have enough manpower to bring them the good, good quality conversation and the good quality uh, data to tell their story, but we're willing to go the extra mile. And that's kind of how we build our relationships is through, you know, just doing the little, the extra little things for them so that they know like we care and we're, we're there to make sure their, their data telling story goes smoothly. I think that's that fine line that we are talking about, Cole, as far as personal and professional, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a difference maker for their firm to reach out to those guys who probably work with everyone or everyone's calling them because they're popular and they actually attempt to build a relationship and that's a good approach and in doing so, but at the same time, they're almost more intrigued by the speed of the, the content. So like balancing that fine line between, okay, I'm trying to, to sell you something and we're aware of that, but also like, I still want to just have a genuine conversation. And I think that that is a skill built over time for sure. And I think it takes a lot of practice reps to like be able to come in with rapport building, but also know that like, you're not necessarily going to be my best friend. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like our, our first two things are accuracy and, and speed. So like we need to like produce the best as fast as possible, but we also have to make sure like it's that, that, that third thing, that relationship with our, our clients, our customers, we have to make sure we, we get it right. So it, they don't get pissed off when they throw it on their broadcast. And we have to make sure we can bring them that extra step to, to make their broadcast a little better. And, when we do get to meet them face to face, like just treat them like normal human beings and have a good conversation with them because a lot of the time they want to get to know us and like who we are and like what we do for them and kind of like, you know, just build those personal connections sometimes as well to to make sure they know we're not just a, a face behind a computer screen crunching numbers for them. Right. And that's what grandma does well. She well is so welcoming. And I think that's a secret that she has with building rapport and um, there are many books out there, sales book on, on techniques and stuff on how to build, but she just comes at you with just a warm heart, man. And I think that that's what sells it. I think that's what sells her, her soup and, and her making of the soup and the ingredients that she puts in to make such a good product. But, uh, she just comes at you with a genuine loving care. And I think that's why everyone gets attracted to wanting to be grandma's friend right away. Well, and two, you know, a part of this book is, you know, part of her recipe and, and kind of her big idea, it's not about the ingredients. It's about who stirs the pot, right? It's kind of like her famous saying. And so that just goes, that goes to show. And John Gordon does another beautiful job as, as we've learned, um, you know, he, he sneaks joy in, you know, who else would, would be sitting with grandma at, at one of the dinner tables when, uh, when our main character, Nancy, walks in, but Joy, our bus rider, you know, her, Joy and Grandma are good friends, of course. Who would have thought that? Um, but Joy gets introduced to our main, our main character, Nancy, and that's one thing they talk about is it's not all about 
the numbers and the stock price and and obviously there's a place for for analytics and data Jeremy you know numbers are very important to a business but establishing relationships with the people that you're going to be working with working for you know serving you know in, in this case and in our case as well um it's super super important because you could have the best numbers like you could have the the fastest and the most accurate numbers Jeremy or Nick you and I could have the the best and and like most polished sales pitch or or someone could absolutely tear it up accounting numbers or or in the courtroom on the on the medical table when you're doing surgery but if you don't build a relation if you're not good at building relationships with those people I mean they're never going to be able to trust you they're never going to be able to they're not even they're not going to have an interest in hearing what you're selling or what you're doing or or how you're going about doing those things and it sounds simple, like as they wrote in the book, it sounds so simple. And I think that's why I, it's Nancy, correct? She's the CEO. Yep. yep. So Nancy uh, is is kind of shocked a little bit at the simplicity of how grandma operates. And, and she can tell that like this isn't something grandma just made up. Like this is who grandma is, is just a genuine loving person. And I think in today's world, a little bit with, with all the negativity and, and social media and all these influencers, we kind of lose sight of just like that good old warm, loving, caring for others. And uh, that's a whole nother topic of conversation that we'll save for another day. But uh, that's one of grandma's superpowers. And Nancy's like, you know what? I've been through so much in my life. And yet this simplicity and in, in talking with um, Peter, right? Peter's the, yep. the younger. Okay. And talking with Peter and they're just reminding her and her task is to turn around. And so being able to apply some of these, these simple rules of just caring, uh, I think some of the employees read on that right away. But uh, as we move through she starts to warm up and, and she's got to take on the board and the board is not having it. They're like, our numbers, our numbers, our numbers. And so Nancy struggles and she's like, guys, just give me 90 days. I think I got this. And um, that's to your point, Cole, where it's not just about what we can generate and produce, though that is important. It's about how do we build a strong culture? And the people are slowly starting to get onto Nancy's momentum, I think. Well, yeah, it's she she takes a really good step in talking to she, I, I believe they survey and it, it happens early in the book but they survey essentially the whole company from you know your your entry level salesperson at this soup company to your your CEO obviously with Nancy being our main character and they're trying to find out okay who you know as Joy obviously introduces to Nancy who's, who's your energy vampire? Like who is on your bus? Who's driving their own energy bus? And, and who really has a, an interest in being there and, and has the best in mind for this organization. And, uh, after obviously weeding out the, the naysayers and the energy vampires, they start to get people on that. Yeah. Are, are on Nancy's energy bus and it allows her to jump on theirs, which feeds good vibes back and forth, which like Nick said, it begins to establish really good relationships. They start to see improvement. And obviously, um, those are kind of things, once you have that in place and you have that foundation built, that is then when the numbers start to become a factor. That's when you start to gauge how much success you're having. Um, but it's, it's super, I think, it, it was super apparent in this book, that was the main theme, is establishing that as a foundation is critical in, in setting your organization up for success as a whole. Yeah. And we have really done a nice job of being it. Well, not we personally, but us by reading the book and, and John continuing to remind us of some of these great characters and as they're intertwined. But 
another key factor that I, I don't want to miss is when they talk about building relationships, they talk about trust, but not a level of trust that's like, oh, I trust you to walk my dog after work. It's like a genuine trust that I could come to you with an idea, with something that's going wrong with me and the family, like this genuine trust that Nancy starts really following through with some of the promises that she keeps. And she's starting to sense that the people are following her because of that, which I don't mean to come off in a, in a very simple sense saying like, if you just follow through that people will follow you, but uh, it's a heck of a good first step. And I think that trust is another aspect of this book that I think is really brought out. Um, and that is something I also think is overlooked uh, in today's society a little bit as well too. Yeah, trust is definitely uh, overlooked. And it's funny you bring that up just because in our last book training camp, trusting the process was a huge theme, right? Well, how funny is it that Nancy, our main character, not only does she get to meet Joy, the driver of the energy bus, but her dad is the NFL coach who unfortunately passes away in training camp. And, and so these things, like you said, Nick, they're all intertwined in a way. Um, really quick, though, I, I got a question for you. So when I was reading through this book, obviously there, there are different things that all these John Gordon books have, uh, have taught us and, and laid out for us and things that we've taken away. And obviously we did a reflection episode last week. To me, this book was very much for someone who's in a leadership position at a company, someone who's looking to take that next step as a leader. And I think it's going to be really cool to go back maybe 10 years down the road, hopefully even five, when you're starting to gain those leadership positions and you're really starting to take ownership of leading a group of people towards success relationship wise and also number wise to get the best from the organization and, and build the organization to, to what it could be. Would you agree with that? Or, or what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this book was unique in the sense that this is for the approach or has the different approach of it being a CEO. Um, when we did the no complaining rule, the CEO was one of the saviors in the situation, but it was not from his perspective, so to speak. It was directly from her as the employee, whereas Nancy is learning principles on leadership and why that's valuable. So if you're looking to uh, or are in a leadership role and, and John Gordon is someone you've been intrigued with, this book would be more of the book that you'd want to get into. And um, I think that in relation to some of the others, uh, it definitely was focused around that, but I still think some of the good core principles were, were good taking away just as an employee and understanding, does my boss trust me? Do I trust my boss? You know, these are questions that I run through my mind. You know, what's the, you know, how do I go out and build engaged relationships with some of my clients? And uh, it's, it's a good, relationships is a good topic, both personally and professionally to dive into. And uh, that's why we're here talking about it. Right. Well, I think you bring up a really good point that I don't think should should go by the wayside. In reading this book, obviously, you and I can agree we both felt this book is is should should be read by a lot of people who are in leadership positions, CEOs, presidents of companies, director of insert your title here, whatever. I think though, for some for people like us, you know, with Jeremy, you, me, we're just coming into the professional world. We're we're a year, maybe a few years in, and we're really starting to get our footing and, and we want to take ownership of the work that we've been doing now. I think it's kind of a good way to get on a fast track. And I say that in a very genuine way. Obviously, we're talking about genuine relationships. You want to build those genuine relationships with your higher ups and the people that you work for and serve. Reading this book can give you a really good insight of how to do that 
very genuinely. So you're not building that superficial relationship that those those higher ups and, and your bosses probably have with 95% of the rest of your organization. Yeah, because they can, I feel they can smell that out for those people that are just trying to, to be two-faced within an organization to try to climb their way or up. Or be a but, yes man <laughs> or woman. Too, yeah, yes man or woman. Um, <clears throat> let's dive into this just for the sake of conversation. Uh, we talked, or there was a survey, I believe, in the book that talked about level of engagement and not only in what you did day to day, but level of engagement to what your relationship looked like. And, and Cole, if you remember correctly, was it, it was engaged relationships or excuse me, engaged in work, participating for a paycheck and then totally disengaged. Is that correct? Or That's correct. along yep. those lines? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> and it was fascinating to think about how that, if that survey was taken at, at really any given company, who would be on those lists? And uh, I think if you're on the, the far later category of totally disengaged, uh, you may not be in the right suit right now. You may need to find a passion somewhere else, but uh, it really helped as a leadership perspective to know in the future, who can I get on my team that is going to be actively engaged, that is going to have a genuine relationship with me. So though the, the context may be a little off just because we're starting out, uh, I still think it's valuable nonetheless. I mean, and let's be honest, like if you're at a job and you're totally disengaged, that's that's not the right job for you. I mean, like we all have our days where we're we're totally disengaged with work and like we're slow and boring and monotonous, but more often than not, you should be going to work uh, like engaged. Like I have fun going to work. I have fun literally going to my computer, sitting down and, and providing stats for Fox Sports Southwest. Like I enjoy that. And like, I love doing that every day. So I love coming actively engaged. It makes, I mean, it just makes the work day just go so much quicker. And like you get in and like, you get like 40 different requests throughout the day. And like your day is like eight hours. It's like start to finish. Well, how did, how did that time just fly by? Well, I think it's interesting that Nick brought up that, that spectrum. And Jeremy makes a very good point that passion in what you do and being able to show up every day, energized and excited about work that day is very important. I think, however, there is a place for people who do a job or go to a job for a paycheck. I think there is a place for that now, because obviously you guys think about it. If every person that you worked with at your job and and for our listeners too, think of every person you work with, if they were all crazy passionate about what they did and they all loved being there every single day, There'd be too many people to go around as far as who's <laughs> going to be the next CEO, like who's going to get the higher up position. And so I think everybody has different passions, right? Whether work is one of your passions or not, that's completely up to you. And I think that some people, it's totally okay to do a, do- a job just for a paycheck because it's a way of funding their passion. Maybe their passion isn't something that they're doing professionally yet, or maybe they're working towards doing it professionally. I've had jobs that I've had to do just to fund a $300 plane ticket to go to a job interview that, that I really wanted. You know, I, I had to do a job I really didn't want to do. Um, and and I, I've worked with a number of people. I know a number of people that they do jobs just as a way to fund something else they're passionate about, whether it's going on a road trip to, to college football games or funding, writing, a, writing lyrics and, and getting studio time for, for music. Uh, building an art studio or buying canvases and paint paints for, for being an artist, like whatever your passion is, whether you're getting paid for it professionally or not, there has to be a level of being, getting funded to do that day in and day out. And so that's why I said 
there is a place on that spectrum. Obviously, I think the totally disengaged, if you're totally disengaged and you're on that side of the spectrum, there's, there's something wrong and we need to reevaluate your passions and we need to reevaluate where you're at in life and, and where you would like to see your life go. But if you're doing a job just for a paycheck, make sure that it's for the right reasons and make sure that that paycheck is going towards something that is going to fill your tank up and that is going to feed your passion. Yeah, because the, the last thing we want to do is, is be <clears throat> actively disengaged. And, and the reason for that is, uh, A, just for me as a person throwing some of my own personal philosophy out here, you know, if we had multiple lives to live, I would totally say it's okay, but we only got one of them. So you might as well go out and <laughs> live large, but that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, I think so. I think that there's a journey because there's some of my, my prior career jobs that uh, I did for the paycheck just because they are able to get me to where I need to go. But um, the other point in me bringing that up was the the different level of relationship building that is occurring with Nancy because she hits a certain pinnacle where she knows she's winning. She knows she's going to take it to the top. She's not afraid to face the board. She feels good about it. And then there's this pinnacle of how do I take this really well-built foundation of showing genuine relationships and turning that into engaged relationships. And I love how she words that because engaged in and of itself, meaning not stagnant, movement, always having movement coming in and going out. And I think that was a, a cool piece to the pie because we hear build relationships kind of thrown out in the business world uh, quite often, especially in a sales role, but they never say an engaged relationship, meaning an active relationship. And I think that that's where you need to strive to have those. They don't need to be a lot, uh, but just a couple of maybe professional and personal engaged relationships. Well, and why, and that's why that's exactly why soup was kind of a perfect, uh, a perfect picture to, to build off of for, for this kind of a talk. And, uh, I think this is going to kind of wrap us up, but soup, obviously nothing takes, tastes better than grandma's cooking. Nothing tastes better than, than mom's cooking, right? Like that, like there's a level of, there's something about certain things. Like I can think right now, you know, my, my grandma, she makes this awesome dessert. It's called peaches and cream, right? Absolutely love it. I could eat it for the rest of my life if she would make it and bring it to me every single day, right? Like I would pay her when I have millions of dollars to make it and bring it to me every day. Why, like, why is it so good though? I'm sure there's, there's people who make it professionally. They get paid to, to, to source it and, and make it on, on, you know, in bulk and, and on a grand scale. But why is it so good when my grandma makes it? Well, because there's a level of like care. There's a relationship built there. I've, I have a vested, a, a vested interest in her and, and my family and, Usually when she has that, it means we're getting together and we're, we're enjoying each other and, and catching up and talking about fun things and enjoying good food. So that's why it's such a, it's such a perfect idol or it's such a perfect picture for, for establishing relationships and what a genuine relationship truly is because nothing tastes better than, than someone you love preparing something and serving it to you. Right. And I think that should carry over perfect. I should, I think that should totally carry over into our professional lives, whether you're doing sales, whether you're doing analytics, whether you're doing music, whether you're in a courtroom or whether you're on the operating table. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know, we teamed up with our guys over at Driftless. You guys may have heard Clayton Lieb come on the podcast and do an interview with us. Well, we got a promo code going on with them. 
Type in State Street at checkout and you get 10% off your entire cart. Get things like the hats, the hoodies, the t-shirts, the stickers. The hoodies and the tees, you guys, let me tell you, they're some of the softest clothes you'll ever wear. They look great on men and women. They got a new women's line coming out very, very soon. Guys, go get some of these tees, hoodies. The, the hats got great designs and the stickers will look good on water bottles and laptops. So I posed a question to you guys, just from the State Street Gang to you, and we're doing this assessment. We're not hypocrites. We don't just talk about it. We actually do it. But um, we are asking you right now, just to kind of think in the top of your mind, how many and whom do I have engaged relationships with is the first layer. The second layer is who out in and around me would I desire to have an engaged relationship with? And these can be either personal or professional. And we only throw this out as a way of, of consistently personally developing ourselves. But uh, as we conclude this episode, guys, uh, just on, on a lighter note, let's talk quick. And Cole, you have uh, already alluded to this, but uh, what is your favorite grandma cooked meal? Easily, yeah, easily peaches and cream. Easily peaches <laughs> and cream. Like it's. What is the cream portion, can I ask? It's like a cream cheese layer. So there's obviously oh, like a breading to it. So and good. then like it's like a cream cheese kind of like frosting with peaches kind of diced up and spread around in there dude it's like warm if you get it warm not not piping hot but warm to like where the the cream cheese top is like kind of still gooey oh my god it's like to die for dude <laughs> you gotta send some of that or i need to go visit your grandma once uh the uh, the quarantine season is over um jeremy what about yourself man do you have a grandfather or grandmother's uh well cooked i'm not gonna lie my uh my grandma that i live closest to does not enjoy cooking so uh she does enjoy baking cookies i i, I love her cookies and all the all the different types of cookies she makes but usually like when we're, at, we're when we're at grandma's house we we get kfc or pizza or something <laughs> like that That's i awesome. mean a good kf a good kfc meal is always good i i do enjoy a kfc and it's usually like a once a year thing when we go to grandma's but i do enjoy her cookies and um like cookies ice cream she brings the brings out all the desserts, takes out all the stuffs for dessert, and I do enjoy her desserts. I uh, I have a respect that that's that you enjoy KFC so much, but that also she makes an attempt to take you to KFC to to enjoy the food. That's awesome. Oh, man. we get we get like the big family buckets. Like there's like eight ten of us, and she'll go out and get the big family KFC buckets, and we'll run through that, and she'll be like, "All right, who's ready for dessert?" And I'm like, "Well, can I can never pass up a good cookie." That's right. Well. Uh, before I go here, what, what type of cookie? Um, she does like the, the sugar cookies with like the, the Hershey's kiss in the middle. I like those oh, a lot, man. Yeah. This is getting me, especially really when hungry. they're warm. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I'm going to have to, to visit both your grandmothers to receive this. Uh, Cole, I like how you said in correlation with the holidays more particular, but my grandma does a homemade chicken noodle soup. And it is right around Thanksgiving, and it's football season, and usually a little brisk outside. And man, the whole environment uh, of that is just so heartwarming. And I, I love that she makes that. And actually, my grandfather uh, has a, a cookie recipe that I think is totally to die for. And when we go to see him uh, for our annual Clyde campout, I, I have probably at least seven to 10 cookies. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just one of those things I'm going to accept is I'm going to have all those cookies. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and, and shout out social media for us? So if you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and give us five stars, like, and subscribe to us. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can hit us up on Instagram at State Street Pod. Twitter is at State Street Pod as well. And Facebook is State Street Podcast.
Nick, why don't you go ahead and preview our guest? Yeah, so the next guest that we have on um, is some may call him the Turtle Man, some may call him the the Midwest Steve Irvin. What one of my good friends? Uh, I'm not going to reveal his name just as kind of a cliffhanger, but this individual is coming to us with a perspective that none of us has ever been introduced to before. And I think the first half, uh, or maybe even um, some of the good content that uh, he may bring to the table, maybe on. Uh, uh, a different spectrum, and I think we walk away from professional development just a little bit, but uh, super excited to uh, to have this individual on. So thanks, and until next time, guys.